We made this. everyone and welcome to Without a Mouse, the podcast where we watch and review the obscure and forgotten live-action Disney movies on the hunt for a hidden gem. I'm your host Tim and today I am on my own in the studio as Chris is not feeling very well today. He's got man flu. That doesn't matter because we've got a special guest on today so I'm not going to be talking to myself the whole time. We've had to reschedule this episode recording multiple times, so we finally decided, you know what, even if Chris isn't here, I've still got someone to talk to, so we're going to go ahead without him. I realised at the end of the last episode, uh, we forgot to mention what our episode was going to be featuring this week, so I do apologise for that. And speaking of forgetting to mention the next film, I'm recording this intro the day after we record the bulk of the episode, which I realise we also forget to mention what next week's episode will be on this episode. So I'm going to take this opportunity at the start instead of the end to just say that our next episode I have picked since Chris is not here to have an opinion on it. And the polite guy that I am, again, I'm going to relinquish my pick and hand it over to our fans. So uh, Mr. Rips 23 on Instagram uh, got in touch with us a few weeks ago and um, saying how much he was loving the podcast and his recommendation was for a film called Darby O'Gill and the Little People. So in a fortnight's time that's the film we're going to be covering. Meanwhile on today's episode our guest is going to uh, explain to us his love for a beaten up old Volkswagen. <laughs> Everyone has a fantastic story to tell about his car. Now, get lined up for the one that tops them all. It's the story of Herbie, the screen's first four-cylinder star. Did you see this thing take off? One of your showboat tricks, Mr. Douglas. I tell you, I had nothing to do with it. Hey, we were turning. Groovy, Pop, groovy. Walt Disney Productions, The Love Bug. He's a scrappy little beetle that adopts a has-been race driver and turns him into a champion. Dean Jones. Hold it, you two. I've done great with this little car so far, thanks to a few changes I made, and if you don't mind, some pretty fair country driving. Michelle Lee. You really think it was you winning those races? Buddy Hackett as Tennessee Steinmetz, a wizard with welded junk who digs the metal physical. I'm your friend. And unscrews the inscrutable. David Tomlinson. Tell me, what part of Ireland did you say your mother came from? Coney Ireland. <laughs> and Herbie, shifting for himself against the supercar. No, Herbie! No! I tell you, there's more going on here than meets the eye. A mind of his own makes Herbie the soul bug of the love generation. Goodbye, Mr. Douglas. Well, I beat, Chief. 
Oh, hey, hey, look, we have a little problem here. Would you mind helping the young lady get her car door open? Look, I'm busy. And furthermore, I ain't no mechanic. Help, I'm a prisoner. I can't get out. We all prisoners, Chicky baby. We all locked in. When Herbie does his thing, it's the funniest thing ever seen on wheels. Oh! Disney Productions, The Love Bug. Suggested for general audiences. So, we've got our special guest today. He is the head of this very network. We made this. Um, he's the creator of the popular Xcast podcast. He's also the host of our upcoming Picard podcast on the network. It is, of course, Tony Black. Hello, Tony. Hi Tim, I, I'm I'm aware people are probably listening to that going, Jesus, that guy's got way too much on his plate. Like, <laughs> what, what <laughs> is he like doing? A, that's probably a third of the podcast you're actually involved with at the moment, isn't uh, it? Like, well, could... it actually is. Yeah, there's there's, what, what's there's the plenty full more. List at the moment. Um, okay, so there's the X Cast, which is my X Files podcast, which is my baby, which has been going for years. There is the Time Is Now, which is the spin off, the Millennium TV series spin off. From that, which I don't show run, but I've, I record on sometimes. There is Motion Pictures, which is a film podcast I do with, uh, my friend Carl Sweeney. There's the Picard podcast, which is going to be me and I think Kurt North again, who does the time is now with me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. there is, <laughs> there is going to be one as well, I think called Movie People, which is about me talking to. Ooh. Um, yeah, this is actually the first time anyone's heard this, so you're getting a bit of an exclusive here, Tim. Ooh, nice. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, me talking to people in uh, TV, in film, writing, production, like culture, things like that, which should be oh, fun. Nice. Um, yeah. So I'm setting that one up right now. I'm, I'm just, I'm just a podcast whore. What can I say? Really, I was going to say, yeah, that's that's quite a list. I mean, just just off mic, we were talking about how much of a maniac Chris Wilson is with his schedule, and he's only got two podcasts. So, uh, bit yeah. of a hypocrite there, aren't you? I know. I, I'm, I've got nothing on you know. Well, I was going to say Wilson's got nothing on me, but you know, I think we're both maniacs in different in different fields, really. Um, and to be it, fair, I, I I can't judge because you know me and Chris both benefit off your me- podcast mania. So uh, <laughs> having us on the pod on the network's been great. So no, it's been it's been really nice to have you. I I as you I'm sure know I me and Wilson go way back. Um, yeah, he said yeah yeah to uh, probably I've known him for probably about 15 years now uh, through through various writing exploits. So it's really nice to have him back and you obviously knowing you through him. Yeah, it's, it, I'm really, I'm really excited to be on without a mouse. It's, it's, it's been such a fun <laughs> podcast to listen to. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's I appreciate you enjoying it. That's always yeah. good to hear. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's really good. And I'm, glad, so I'm many... glad listeners are enjoying it, even if we're not enjoying watching these <laughs> god awful films that well, we have to it. watch. There are so <laughs> many of them like that. 
I, I have, I've never, I'd never heard of, or I'd heard only heard of slightly. And then there's the, um, I know you guys were like retweeting all the Disney Plus announcements recently of films that oh, were people God, yeah. who were convinced weren't real, like the Biscuit Eater and the the Cat from Outer Space. And I'm like, this is brilliant. Like, <laughs> only Disney I've- would do this. I felt like this is like my moment to shine. Like I was going crazy retweeting this Disney Plus because I've just been enjoying all these people saying, what the fuck are all these films? And it's like, oh, well, sit down, gather round and I'll tell you a tale, a tale of horrendous uh, movies. Oh, God. There's some fascinating films that are going to be, I think, digging out through this. So it feels like the perfect time for Without a Mouse, doesn't it, really? What we did, Disney Plus come in and... And everything. You, you guys must be thinking, wow. This oh, is yes. Just... It was it was all predetermined, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. No, it's been very fortuitous because people are going to gonna wonder. Um, speaking of all of the Disney Plus announcements, I know this episode isn't going out till uh, mid-November. But, um, yeah, like me and Chris previously on the podcast, obviously, our most the most horrendous film we watched was um, One of Our Dinosaurs is Missing. Which obviously, oh, yeah. um, because of all of the uh, racial elements to the film, mm. it very interested to see that this is not coming to Disney Plus. So, really, really, yeah, wow. that was that was the very first thing I noticed was the absence of that, which I'm kind of happy with because it shows that Disney are reviewing their old content and mm. actually taking the time to think, you know, is this what people should be watching now yeah. rather than just dumping them on the app, which is what they've done with the the Disney Life app in the UK. Yeah, like, just love everything on. Is that the one yeah. with Peter Ustinov as like a Chinese detective? Um, or something like he, that. He's he's the Chi- he's the bad guy. He is yeah. Chinese, but yeah, he's okay. definitely not Chinese. No. It, <laughs> Peter Ustinov <laughs> was many things, but Chinese was not one of them. So yeah, no. I think that's a good, that's a, probably a good decision really. I mean, I'm sure yeah. there's quite a few films in the old Disney back catalog that are a little bit ooh, not so sure about that anymore. I mean, the film that we're going to be talking about today, you know, it, it had its it had its moments. It did. I, 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 I was thinking that actually. I have to say, there were a couple of points I was like, "Oh, this is very late 60s. <laughs> so or... yeah, speaking of um, the film that we're going to be watching today, would you like to introduce your pick for us? Oh yes. Well, I I I love this film. I have I've gone for 1968's The Love Bug, which is the first movie. Uh, which introduces the world to Herbie the the Volkswagen Beetle, uh, which Herbie is easily easily my favourite non-human <laughs> movie <laughs> character in the in history. Uh, I, I grew up watching all of the Herbie movies, cool. and even though the Love Bug isn't my favourite of all of them, it it's it's probably my second favourite, but. I, I just you've got to I start just, somewhere, haven't you? Well, exactly. Well, exactly. Um, for for the record, my favourite is Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo, but that's a whole different subject. Um, but this, the, the Love Bug, is probably I would say objectively the best one of of the the five. Although I don't really count the Lindsay Lohan one really because it's you know, well actually no six because the <laughs> Love Love the Love Bug was remade in like nineteen ninety seven I think with like John Hannah. Yes. Oh, yeah, and I that, think I might have seen that one, but I I'm really unsure of my knowledge of the Herbie films just because they kind of blur into one when you haven't seen them for a long time. Well, I, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure I've seen Herbie Rides Again, mm. which is the second one. Yeah. And that's where there's a there's a 
old lady involved somewhere. Yep. I, that, that's basically all I remember. So yeah, <laughs> yep. that Helen Helen Hayes as as um, the, the character from this film, Tennessee's aunt, um, and then she, yeah, she sort of takes over Herbie, and it's 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 basically Herbie versus Donald Trump. Uh, so oh, which, which, nice. <laughs> which is a whole different conversation. And then the third one, Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo, is more of a um, a caper because it's uh, uh, obviously set in France, but it's like about a jewel thief and all this kind of thing going on. Um, and then there's Herbie Goes Bananas, which is the uh, where it starts to go downhill, really. And that's where he ends up in South America and he's owned by... You know, a bunch of runaways, and he ends up on a cruise ship, and uh, it's 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 not it's not very good. And then the Love Bug came around, which was the uh, Bruce Campbell was was Jim Douglas in that um, the character Dean Jones plays in this, and then John Hannah was Bruce like an evil Campbell. Bruce the the Bruce Campbell, yeah, I know, as in Ash from Evil Dead, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it had basically... oh, I've definitely not seen that one then. <laughs> no, it was it was a made for TV movie. And it had John Hanna as like an evil, um, like uh, engineer scientist who basically creates an evil Herbie, like, and he's like he's like a black car, like an evil Herbie car. No, so it's a no shit. Diff- I have definitely seen. No, I remember now. I've seen this movie. I yeah. definitely remember the evil car because I remember there being weird CG where like the actual front of the car even sort of moves like a face ever so right. slightly. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, yeah, and I have definitely. Oh God, I am looking forward to that one. I mean, <laughs> I mean, technically, this uh, this podcast doesn't cover TV movies, but we might have to make an exception I, when it's part of a series. I think you should. I will happily talk about all of the Herbie things. <laughs> and there was actually a Herbie TV series called Herbie the Love Bug, which was the early eighties. Really? Uh, yeah, and that starred Dean Jones back as Jim Douglas. Dean Jones wow. came back as Jim Douglas in Monte Carlo, uh, and. Um, he wasn't in Herbie Rise Again. He wasn't in Herbie Goes Bananas, but he was in the TV series, which I think was after Herbie Goes Bananas. And it only had like five episodes and then it was cancelled. So it, it, I think it's just <laughs> faded from memory. But I'm sure they're all on YouTube somewhere. And I haven't, I wow. think I've watched one of them, but I will, I'll try and dig those out. So there is, there is stuff before you finally get to the reboot, which was L- Lindsay Lohan and Fully Loaded, uh, which I just didn't like at all. But that's because, because the, the, the thing with Herbie is, the problem with the, the new one film, and the, the Love Bug remake didn't really do this, but the Fully Loaded did, is that it made him far more CG and all kind, he was yeah. doing all kinds of mad stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Herbie is supposed to be just a normal car who happens also to be like a child. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty yeah. apt description. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, obviously my next question was going to be, why have you picked the Love Bug? But I think we've made it clear that it's because... I, I kind of get the feeling you like Herbie. I, I, is, does it show slightly? <laughs> I, I, I actually, I have a um, uh, an actual Herbie car, not obviously, you know, to scale, but, but one on my shelf, um, which I'm looking at right now. I, I've, yeah, I, lo- I do love Herbie. I think growing up was there's the nostalgia factor, and I won't lie, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure. But when I watched the Love Bug for this, it had been years. I hadn't watched the Love Bug in probably whew, 10, 15 years, I'd say. And it's different when you watch it now, when you're a late 30s man, than when you watched that, it when you were yeah. 10 years old. That is However, something that we've found on this podcast is, you know, you go back to these films and the rose-tinted spectacles don't always no. carry over after such a long time, we've been Abs- finding. Absolutely. And there are things that I'll talk about in this, I'm sure, that I were like, oh, that's dodgy, or that's not, that's not as good, or I don't remember. But... It, the nostalgia factory is absolutely still there and there's still loads I love about this. And I think what I love about 
Herbie and particularly the love bug, which I think is like I say, probably the best Herbie film. My second favorite is that it tells a really good story all the way through. And I think all the Herbie films, even though they're very different, actually, they're all, all of them are very different. They all, they're, they're all just really nice and they're really fun <laughs> and they're very Disney and they are proper wholesome family entertainment. They're absolutely still kind of films you could just throw, show your kids, you know, and I think that's, that's nice. And I know, and you know, I'm, I've got a v- wide variety of taste in film and I love lots of really sort of serious movies, but I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for Herbie. I really am. <laughs> Fair dues. Yeah. Um, so a question that I asked our last guest, uh, Mark Adams, um, mm. from the podcast Pull or Pass, yeah. he, um, he always asks his guests on his show what their, because it's a comic book show, um, yeah. if you've not heard of it, what their Mount Rushmore for comics would be, <laughs> like what their four um, favourite characters would be. And I asked Mark about Disney, um, but his uh, his podcast that he used this on is now defunct, so I've decided I'm going to steal his idea. And Good call. To all of our guests, I'm sure he won't yeah. mind. Uh, <laughs> hi, Mark. Um, so <laughs> I was going to ask you, you as well, if you had to rebuild the Mount Rushmore monument but you had to use disney characters what would your four picks be well i mean i'd like herbie i think obviously definitely herbie i think he'd be on there um i have had to think of this i think i'd probably have to put in mr Pricklepants. Um, oh Toy- right, okay. From yeah. Toy Story, Ma- mainly because my wife calls me Mr. Pricklepants because I've I've got a degree in drama, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, so have I. <laughs> oh, do really? Oh, there you go. Well, yeah. if, if someone calls you Mr. Pricklepants, I think you know it's true love because she <laughs> she's every time it comes on, she goes, "That's you, <laughs> Mr. Pricklepants." Yeah, um, good good so, choice. <laughs> uh, I love Mr. Mr. Pricklepants. Um, I think yeah, I'd go for him. I would probably say. Um, thinking about it, I'd probably go for Olaf from Frozen as well. All right, cool. Because um, cool. he's he's funny. He just <laughs> he just makes me. I like random characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm I'm getting that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think just for the for, for the popular populist sort of, I'd, I'd probably go for the genie in Aladdin. Because oh, yeah, cool. He's because he's cool. Really, he's cool. So it's a very, so, yeah. very quirky uh, group of characters you've got there. Let's. Yeah. I think the, the key word is definitely quirky there. Quirky. I, 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 would, I don't need the marquee, you know, faces on there. I want the, you know, the Volkswagen Beetle, um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the Hedgehog actor, <laughs> the weird snowman, and the, you know, the the genie. I think that's yeah. That's yeah. When you, when you put them all together, it's a bit of a ragtag group, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So does that mean you're uh, excited for Frozen Two coming later this year? I am actually. I am looking forward to Frozen Two. I, you know, I went into Frozen and I was, I didn't think I'd not enjoy it, but I was a little bit like, well, you know, we'll see. But I got a lot out of that. I really did. So yeah, I, I'm yeah, very I curious. Quite like it. I'm fond mm. of it. Let's say. Yeah. I mean, it's it it absolutely got overtaken by its own hype by the end. But I think after yeah. a few years, we've kind of now the hype's gone. It's easier to appreciate it as a pretty decent film really absolutely we've um you know the hype's gone we've let it go tim oh very Sorry. good very nice <laughs> anyway so i guess then we should start talking about uh this film of yours called the love book absolutely i just all all the way through thinking about this i just want to sing the herbie theme 
You know, I just want to. I tell you, the soundtrack to this is great. The score to this, I think, is really good. All the right. way through. Controversial statement. The Herbie, I think the Herbie theme tune is great. Yeah. I do love it. It's very bouncy. It's very fun. Very yeah. fitting for the character and the films. I did find it a bit annoying from <laughs> overuse by the end. It does get used film. a lot. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> but yeah, you, bit... you are right that it's a decent enough soundtrack and it, it fits very well the, the tone of the film. It's a bit like how in um, Doctor No... They ju- they use the Bond theme all the time, like constantly. I think it was on uh, Smirsh Pod, which is a really good Bond podcast. They talk about how every time he gets up, you hear the Bond theme. He goes to the toilet, you hear the Bond theme. <laughs> like it's that kind of thing with this. So by the theme. end of by the end of the first film, you know exactly what the Bond theme is, <laughs> right? Because <it>, everything <laughs> is down and down and down. Whereas with this, it's the all the time. All the time. Or his little cheeky... When he's being like naughty, Herbie. That little bit. Either one of those two. Speaking of movie soundtracks, one of my biggest criticisms of the new Star Wars films is that like anyone on the street can hum the Imperial March. And I know the Imperial March has been around since the 70s. But I feel like... Even though I'm a Star Wars fan, I've got all of the films on DVD, seen all of them at least sort of three times, maybe four. I don't know any of the new music for on what it's supposed to be the theme for each section. I don't know what the First Order's theme tune is. I don't know what Ray's theme tune is. I don't know what Poe's theme tune is. Something about the new films. I just The soundtrack is completely forgettable. Obviously, it's, it's, in- still, it's still a John Williams uh, score, so it's, it's good. And it sounds great, but I just don't know what anyone's riffs are. Like when Princess Leia's theme or Luke Skywalker's theme yeah. plays in it, they really stand out, but I don't know what the others are supposed to sound like. I think the only one for me, if using that example, is Ray's theme. I can, I can think of Ray's theme. I think that's the most distinctive one. And that, that came out in The Force Awakens. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're, you're right. I mean, there, are, there aren't as many distinctive tunes to that i mean they're good they're good scores but there aren't and i think that's the thing it's like great characters i think end up with great signature motifs going through their you know their their the soundtrack and herbie definitely has one of them you know he, yeah. he really does it's a really memorable i mean it's very of its time it's very 60s you know oh, yes yes but <laughs> it really sort of right from the off it sort of carries you into the film really with this you know and it really helps anthropomorph anthropomorphize Herbie and make him into a you know more of a character really yeah so yeah the film starts off uh with its opening credits which are which are very psychedelic funky font I quite like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah very uh very uh what's the word uh curvaceous I would say Curva- yeah yeah they are yeah I suppose to try and fit the mold of a beetle like you know that the shape yeah, I guess it is it. yeah yeah very uh, Austin Powers kind of font. Yeah. yeah, 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 <laughs> um, definitely. And the opening is over. Like it kind of reminded me of the opening of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, where there's um, in yeah. this there's stock car racing happening under the credits, and obviously in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang we see a car race going on. Mm. To begin with, I thought it was going to be like the um, origins of Herbie. I thought he was going to get wrecked in this race, just like. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang does. Yeah, it turns out it's it's setting up the introduction to the the driver rather than the car, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
we see Jim flip his car. And as I put at this point, racy man mad. Because we didn't know his <laughs> name at that point. <laughs> so just just racy man. That's that's what I called him. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd forgotten that he was basically a stock car racer. You know, yeah. I, I, remember, I remember that he was a racer, but it's... Because obviously, you know, that he sort of... He doesn't go back into that then, does he? You know, he kind of... No. He, he goes much more into sort of a mixture of like just competitive racing and rally by the end, you know, well, a little well, bit the, more. Yeah, the first scene proper, he has a conversation in his ma- with his manager in the manager's car where the manager kind of references that he used to be a, a race driver but has gotten too old for... Well, he, he gave it up and now he's too old for stock car racing because it's a young guy's game. So mm. this gym guy is kind of adrift, I'd say. He doesn't yeah. really know what where he is, where he's up or down, or but he's 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 not in the position that he would like to be. Let's say no. There's some interesting stuff about this actually, about how um, sort of Jim Douglas and the character came to be. Apparently, um, when this was that when the the, the, uh, the Love Bug was first created, it was called Carboy Girl. That was the original script by uh, a guy called Gordon Buford. In 1961, he wrote a story called Carboy Girl. And Walt Disney had this basically sitting on his shelf for a few years. And then Dean Jones um, found this script about a uh, the the story of the first ever sports car that was brought to the US. And he he went to Walt Disney, the, the Walt Disney, actual Walt Disney, and wanted to make this film. And he went to Disney and um, Walt Disney listened to him. And then he went, I've got a script for you. And he dug out Carboy Girl and he gave it to Dean Jones. This was two years. This was, this was just before Walt Disney died in 1966. Obviously the, the love bug was made after this. And Dean Jones got hold of this script and that, that's what became ultimately the love bug. Um, so Walt Disney didn't, sadly didn't live to see the Walt, the love bug, but he was there in the, at the beginning of it and he loved the idea. And then it sort of, it morphed and it fashioned into, you know, so it was, it was Dean Jones was quite heavily involved in sort of the instigation of the, of the, the film and the character, really. Cool. So, you know, there's so many films around this kind of period. Every film we discuss always starts with Walt Disney, but never <laughs> ends with him. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> everyone's sure, like, yeah. oh, this was the last one where he um, was directly involved. This is the last one where he set the gears in motion. And it's, this is the last animated film. And it's just like, yeah. Poor guy. He won't yeah. he won't there for the end. No. But you know, the legacy, I mean, it's incredible, really. The fact that did uh Walt actually had even the slimmest bit of involvement in this film might be why it's good. Because <laughs> mm. yeah, a lot yeah, of the possibly, films from yeah. the period, um, even from the few years before, uh, as we said, this is the period where the the whole studio kind of really loses its way, especially with the uh live action films. But this one this one holds holds up well, I thought. Yeah, it's 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 got its issues, but yeah, it does. And I think one of the reasons is that it's actually got some really good human characters. Yes, that is something that I've uh, made notes on. Yeah, the characters yeah. are really, really uh, relatable, quite enjoyable to to watch. Um, yeah. So yeah, after Jim and his manager um, basically he drops him off at Jim's house, um, and we, from establishing shots, we can definitely tell this is San Francisco. Got, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a very hilly town with uh right by the sea um and jim lives in an old fire engine house so this is actually the second film that we've watched um which is based in a fire engine house in san francisco 
What was the first one? The Princess Diaries. Ah, okay. The main okay. character lives in a, an engine house at the beginning of the film. That must be, that's a Disney thing. I love I love this house. I, th- I think it's really cool, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very it's different really... to the one in uh, Princess Diaries because um, the mum in that is an artist, so there's just artwork everywhere. Well, actually, there's yeah. artwork in this one because... Um, we see the main one of the main characters, Tennessee. He's building a a welded sculpture in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I think Princess Diaries probably had this as a bit of a homage to Herbie. I reckon it could be, it could be. I'm pretty sure that they that they still use this same house in Herbie Rides Again as well. I'm pretty sure. I was that... pretty sure it's set in. It's definitely set in San Francisco because I remember yeah. like japes occurring on a trolley at one point. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. I'm pretty sure it is, but yeah, it's it's a re- it's a very interesting house. It's like it, it's it's sort of part garage, part living space, part like um, yeah, art art, <laughs> art gallery. It's really it's really art. Part fire station. It's very quirky. It's very similar to the way that um, the Ghostbusters uh, fire mm. department ends up being a sort yeah. of all purpose building, isn't it? Where they're all living Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's great. It's really good. Um, and then the next day we see Jim uh, walking past a car dealership um, <laughs> where a lady is putting a sign in the window, um, which she's she's only put half the sign in so you can see her, just her legs in her stockings, yeah. which set, and the sign reads, may we direct our attention to these? <laughs> I was like, steady on, guys. Oh, dear. It's, it's, this is one of the examples of jokes that haven't really aged that well. <laughs> I did. I did have a bit of a giggle, though. I did. It is funny. It's, it's not. It's not horrible. It's not too crude. It's just. It's there. It's. It's very of its time. To be fair, before this, though, apparently there was a deleted scene in which Jim goes to a uh, a different kind of car dealership, more like a lot kind of thing, like an old standard lot, and he has a very yeah. brief conversation where he talks to a guy and he says, "I haven't got any money," basically, um, and the guy doesn't have anything for him and then he moves on it seems like a very they they shot it but there's no the footage doesn't exist anymore it's just a production still so you can see dean jones with another guy um, yeah. and it's like it's like, it's like three lines so you can understand why they got rid of it because you don't really need it you know the point is very would, clearly yeah. made in this scene really it would make it seem it would make the next scene make more sense because this is a very fancy dealership that Jim goes into, isn't it? Um, I suppose, yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah. he goes into this fancy place and then says he's got $50 or something daft like that. So <laughs> if we had that extra scene, at least we would understand the reasoning. Yeah. Like, it does seem a bit weird that he just goes into the poshest uh, sports yeah. car dealership in town with in $50. Town. <laughs> like, Yeah. Uh, did, you, but, did you also laugh at the, the, the way he ends up, like, like interacting with Michelle Lee and Carol? Like, in that she doesn't... He bang. It looks like he bangs his head in the window. Yeah. But nothing happens. All she, all she really does is just drop the sign, and then he seems to whack his head on the yeah. on the glass. Yeah. It's, it's like, like she sees him, and he kind of yeah, it's a bit odd, isn't it? But yeah, it's really weird. It's like they couldn't very figure out forced, a way very to have him go stick. in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they were like, right, what should we do? Oh, just have him bang his head. Why? Because then he had a reason to actually go in, kind of. Yeah, thing, yeah. legs. He gets excited about a pair of legs. Yeah, fine. Smack your head in the window, Jim. Um. <laughs> and then uh, once we're inside, we meet the uh, the owner of the dealership, who was oh. uh, the same guy that played Mr. Banks in uh, David, Mary Poppins. David Tomlinson. Yeah. Genuinely one of the greatest British actors, I think, who ever lived, David Absolutely. Tomlinson. Absolutely. You he know what, is... I was... 
amazing. I was in London recently, and uh, Miles Jupp is doing a one-man play of Mr. Banks. Oh, um, really? Yes. Really? Um, basically, the life of Tomlinson. Oh. But I was so I annoyed that. because it started the week after I was there. And oh. It, because it was, I went to the, I went to London for the podcast festival, and then the two podcasts that I had booked both cancelled. So I had the time that I could have gone. Oh but no! It wasn't what a shame. Yeah. I mean, that 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 would be great. I think because I mean, obviously, there's there's DNA to Mary Poppins, isn't there? Because Robert Stevenson, who directs The Love Bug, directed Mary Poppins as well. Um, yeah. And Bedknobs and Broomsticks. And I don't know if Tomlinson was in that, but he might have been. Actually. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's in Bedknobs and Broomsticks as well. I yeah. think he is, isn't he? Um, so, yeah, he obviously worked with Robert Stevenson, who I think was British as well, um, for, for on, a, on a few films. And um, I suppose you could sort of say that Thorndike is, he's like the evil extension of, of Banks, isn't he? Um, yes. of Mr. Banks. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, he's, down, he's a posh... even down to the costume. He's wearing exactly yeah. the same outfit as Mr. Banks. Like, as Mr. Banks. <laughs> even yeah. down to the red carnation in his, uh, his lapel. <laughs> if, Mr., if Mr. Banks was an evil car salesman slash race driver <laughs> in but the sixties. Yeah. I love this little interaction that he has with Jim because, uh, he offers right. Jim a sherry and a biscuit, which I thought was just so, <laughs> so quaint and charming. Like, That's what all British imagine, people do. Can you imagine going into for a Volkswagen today and they're just like, uh, here you go, have yourself a sherry, then drive our car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> How times have changed. Drive. I know. I know. And that's, it's that quaint sort of British. That's the thing with so many American films, particularly of this period, that quaint Britishness, you know, oh yes, of course they'll have a biscuit, of course they'll have a sherry before they drive the car, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like they think, all Americans probably think all British people are like Thorndike, you know. I feel when you get the right actor, though, it comes across as very sincere. It's very like, um, and I refer to this as often as I can, but um, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I feel yeah. like Anthony Stewart Head brings a real yeah. authenticity to the role as a British person in an he American does. performance. And I think uh, Tomlinson really has a very similar effect in all of his Disney work. Yeah. Like he, the, it, Yeah, it's a little bit heightened, but it, this is Britishness, especially yeah. back in the 60s. Definitely, that hundred percent. I agree. I mean, that's the thing. One of the things that struck me with the love bug is how loud it is. Like how much shouting there is in this film. There is, like, yeah. Like, like David Tomlinson does so much. He's just bellowing like "Carousel" all the time. Like, <laughs> and then when him and Jim are having shouting matches, or it's just, I was like thinking, Jim. I mean, my wife was like, "God's loud." Like, it's a Disney film, like you know, how is it this loud? It kind so, of yeah. gives the film an energy that a lot of the other films yeah. we've been watching haven't had. It does, <laughs> but Ooh. yeah. Um, so this there's this little Volkswagen car in the corner that basically bumps into Aww. Jim, um, and Bobby! then and I'm going to call him Mr. Banks for the whole of this. I'm afraid because because you know Thorndike, yeah. not as memorable. It's definitely Mr. <laughs> Banks. Uh, yeah, Mr. Banks. Yeah, even he, Mr. Banks. He calls out his um, other employee, um, whose name I've completely forgotten, but he was played by the guy who played the dean from Medfield University in the Kurt Russell. Uh, films that we've been watching for the podcast. So, uh, is this is this is is, is Stooge? Yeah, basically. Stooge, Ca- yeah, Cavershaw. Is it Cavershaw? S- yes, I think it's Cavershaw. It's Cavershaw. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all the way through. Yeah, um, yeah. And he doesn't really do much in this scene, but it's just setting up that he is a character, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the car, basically, obviously, Jim gets shooed out of the dealership because he's only got fifty quid, uh, fifty dollars. Sorry. Um, mm. And the car follows Jim home, which yeah. Jim doesn't realize at the time. 
But then the next day, there's a very polite policeman outside um, <laughs> who's, who, who arrests Jim by basically saying, can you please come out so I can yeah. arrest you? Shall we go? It's like... <laughs> and Jim's like, no, I'm not going. Out. Like, Let's go. Yeah, he's, he is. It's a, it's a strange scene, isn't he? He doesn't even yeah. knock the door. He just shouts no. off, and luckily <laughs> they can open the window while they're brushing their teeth. <laughs> yeah, him and uh, Jim and uh, Tennessee stick their heads out, don't they? Yeah. Um, it was at this point that, I, for some reason, I can't remember why, but I paused the. I'll um, probably just to make some notes, but I paused the film and I was watching this on Amazon. And on Amazon, I'm sure you know, whenever you pause, it shows the actors' names so that if you were struggling to figure mm. out who someone is, you can see. Yeah. And um, the very first um, actor on the screen um, was just a picture of the of little Volkswagen, and it said Herbie as himself. <laughs> well, it's funny because Herbie actually has his own IMDb page as an right. actor. Well, like, yeah. yeah, and it's and I love that. Like everywhere, he is himself. He's credited. Technically, he is credited. <laughs> it's like in the in the movie as well, and Herbie, like, like right at the very end. So that's I don't know why they did that, but it, I suppose it's just further making the point that he is like he is a character, you know, and yeah. he's not just a car. Um, well, it's kind of like when you go to a Disney theme park, <coughs> any of the um, staff always have to, they're not allowed to, if they work as a costumed character, they're not allowed to tell anyone when they're out of work that they are a costumed character. They have to say that they are friends of Mickey Mouse. Really? So, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is great, because that's, that's like... That is good. It keeps that sort of, um, you know, <laughs> it keeps the magic alive, doesn't it? It's yeah, no, it does. very Disney. It does. So yeah, if, you ever, if you ever... Um, talking to a cast member and they say like I'm a friend of Gaston or I'm a friend of Belle that means Brilliant. that they are the costume character of them that's that's awesome I didn't know that <laughs> that's really good <laughs> um, so yeah Jim goes back to the the dealership to basically accuse Mr. Banks of um, planting this car on him uh, to get him into trouble yeah. Um, and Herbie basically pisses grease up uh, Banks' leg. <laughs> he does that so much. He yeah. does it so much in the film. He's just like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny the first time. By the end, not so much. <laughs> yeah, it's an overused joke, isn't it? Or when he's just, he's he's ill, Herbie gets poisoned and he just splodges. Th- Thorndike gets shot, gets it, there's so many scenes of him getting stuff on him. Yeah. Like whether it's oil or just... Irish coffee. That's my favourite yeah. one. <laughs> so yeah, it's, the yeah. Um, the police basically witness that he has to. Thorndike <laughs> basically makes him sign over the car. He has to keep the car basically to avoid prison. Um, so he has to agree to all the down payments and stuff, which he's not very happy about. Driving the car home, he goes past the freeway. Uh, well, he tries to drive on the freeway, and the car gets really scared um, mm. and basically refuses to go on the freeway. Yeah, just out, just a bit of context. Like the the freeways themselves in America were only about a decade old by this point. So ah, okay, so it's kind of still a very modern, dangerous thing to be considered. So especially since Herbie in this film is supposed to be an old wreck of a car, even though I'm. When when did the Beetle first get invented? Well, it was well, it was around in the war, wasn't it? So that's forties. Yeah, I think, and I think it really sort of took off in like um, the fifties and sixties. I think, especially yeah. in Europe, you know, I think it was quite popular in Germany, obviously, because yeah. Volkswagen's a German company. Yeah, so, but it's it's. I mean, it's a funny little car, isn't it? Because like you, you know that it's it's it was in- interesting that they chose a, a Beetle because originally they had various different. 
uh, cars they were choosing from. It was, there was a, some Toyotas, there was a few Volvos, um, there was a TVR, an MG, and they, they weren't sure what Herbie was going to look like. In the script originally, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that he was a Beetle, and then they, they just, they made it. They they gave it to. They made Herbie a Beetle because at the, when they were looking at these cars, people were petting the Beetle. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, so they, they immediately had some sort of connection to it being a either an animal or like a child or something, something to look to take care of and to go. Oh, that's sweet. That's cute. It's those cute. You know, round that's what's on it. <laughs> yeah. They really do it's look, the look like it's the look, it's the eyes. Yeah. And it, it, well, it allows him to be very much, you know, characterized. And that's why that scene where you, where he's shaking, you know, and he doesn't want to go in the mouth. I mean, it really is the real underscore that he is, he is a child. Yeah. Like Herbie, Herbie is a, he's a child and that he is scared of, of the, the you no, know, the, I mean, they, they do make that freeway look fucking terrifying <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to drive on it either no. like you know so they they intentionally make it look really big and scary but it, it does just sell the point doesn't it that yeah all the way through that he is he is like a child and he is looking for you know he sees a parent in jim and that that's there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things i think though about about this in that what what the film is sort of suggesting you know about how he sort of tethers himself to jim and there is an argument, I think, that that I mean, there, there is there. Is, you never quite, you never know. Well, for one thing, you never know why Herbie is like the way he is. No, because no, I was no. expecting this to have more of a kind of almost like an origin story, like yeah. But he, there's a kind of a throwaway line in the dealership to begin with, where it's just that it's this old lady's car that she yeah. bought. Did she say she bought for her assistant or something like that? Like something like that. Employee. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we don't. Yeah, we never find out why Herbie is alive. He just is. He just is. You know, is it is it magic? You know, is it is it a spirit inside Herbie? You know, there's all kinds of possibilities, but they never. It, I mean, it doesn't matter ultimately. No, it they never go into it's it. Which fine, is, yeah. But there, but I always think there's some sort of there's a little bit of serendipity in all of this. In that Jim was lost. You know, Jim was a, a, a oh, was and Herbie struggling to found him, and Herbie found him. And there's something about the fact that Jim is quite, yeah, even though it's a, it's a, this is you know, it's a, it's a fairly silly kids film. Ultimately, Jim Douglas actually does have a really interesting character arc all the way through because he starts as somebody who's lost. He starts as somebody who's who doesn't know where his career is heading. He feels a bit, dis, you know, dishevelled. He doesn't really know what he's doing with his life. He's wandering around looking for this car to sort of solve his problems, to get him back into this, into this race. And then, you know, he's pouring over Thorndike's beautiful, you know, yellow, whatever the make is. But then this little tiny innocuous, strange little car just bumps into him and that's it then. And that, and, and it becomes this whole story, you know, in a way it's, even though it, the, the, it's called the love bug. And in the, some, in some senses, it part of the film is Herbie trying to put Jim and Carol together and create, the love there really it's the love of jim and herbie oh absolutely yeah you know i think that that's the love story really in the film Mm. um and that's why i think it's interesting how there's all this rippling underneath about herbie's attachment to jim and how he is like a little child and he's looking for a father that's what that's how i think of it in that he's looking he's looking for a father he's looking for a dad yeah that's my read he's he's probably reading too much into it (laughs) he is he's lovely i love him as a character yeah um he's great so then Jim basically, yeah, there's loads of hijinks on the uh, the road. It, really good effects as well, like very practical use of effects. Lots of speeding yeah. up of footage, which uh, yeah. I'm always a fan <laughs> of in this era of films. Very, yeah, they, um, love, they love it. 
Yeah. It's like something out of a Benny Hill sketch, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Jim takes Herbie back. And there's a lot of toing and froing at the beginning of the film, isn't there? But um, he yeah. he tells um, Carol, Miss Bennett, um, and Mr. Banks that this car's... He thinks it's a joke car, basically. Um, mm. And Miss Bennett offers to try it out to prove that it works fine. And things are going fine until this uh, hot rod pulls up alongside and challenges them to a drag race. <laughs> Obviously, the two in the car don't fancy it, but Herbie decides he does, so Though that, they go. That's hilarious. That car, have you seen how the steering wheel is like... It's it's like um, horizontal, and that it's brilliant, <laughs> that car. It's like, and those hippies, oh, there's so many like funny little hippie things. Far out, dude. Groovy, man. Yeah, <laughs> Groovy. They've, they've both got terrible wigs on, haven't they? Like these bush, big bushy wigs. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Very of its time. So good. Yeah, very. It's very sort of um, the big studios kind of look down on all the hippie thing. Like yeah, yeah. these big corporate studios definitely make hippies the uh, butt of the joke. Like like a film saying about damn millennials these days. Yeah, yeah. It was it was that it was that period, wasn't it, where the the hippie, hippies were considered. Yeah, they were considered. I mean, if you've uh, if anyone, I don't know many people listen to this podcast, watch Quentin Tarantino films, but if you have seen his newest, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there is a scene where Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio absolutely like screams at a bunch of hip, bunch of hippies, and they're the Manson <laughs> killers ultimately. So you know, there's a bit more to it, but it is indicative, and that's set in like 1969. So you know, there is that yeah, oh, scummy yeah. hippies get away, and it is that feeling that they are like smelly like wasters you know and that <laughs> this film definitely there's definitely some class stuff going on because obviously you've got Thorndike who thinks he's like upper class yeah you've got Carol who and, and Jim who are you know Jim's fairly working class isn't he in a way but Carol's sort of in between both like she she's sort of you know she starts off working with Thorndike yeah. and she's sort of got one foot in that world but then she's not really she's we very down fu- to earth and nice we never fully find out what her role was at Thorndike's which is something that I found quite interesting because obviously yeah. from that era, you kind of assume, you know, a female working in this role, it's probably a secretarial role, but then we don't yeah. see her doing that. It's never, I don't know if we're supposed to assume that she's more of an assist, administrative role from the lack of being told otherwise, but we never see her do any of the role. So, but it's weird because she could be, she, a de- she could just be one of the dealers. You You don't know. Like, well, that might. Well, my assumption is that she is, and she probably is selling cars. But then she equally can do all the mechanic stuff because yeah. we later see her do that with Tennessee, and it's like, okay, so. But then you know, I, th- I think she is what she needs to be for the plot. Yeah, but then <laughs> every every scene that she's in in a work space, she's always right under sort of Mister Banks's Thorndike's heels. So I wonder if he's yeah. she's supposed to be his assistant, but we don't know. It's, it, I it's think he wanted to be more than his assistant as well. Oh, yeah, there's a point yeah. where he's like, "Oh, dinner, dinner engagement, dear." He's he's obviously he obviously yeah, fancies a bit. A bit. A bit he's squeezy. after her. He is, and like she, she's obviously not really into that. But you know, she's doing what I, t- I I really do think Michelle Lee does 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 well with a with an underwritten role. Actually, I think she. she oh yeah. She, there's not a great deal on the page in a way with Carol, but I think she does really well in this. She's she's she brings the character to life, and she's she could have been really annoying, and she's not Is because it, I think yeah. of the way she plays her, you know. I think she's got more on the plate um, script wise than a lot of the other characters that we've reviewed for this podcast. To be honest, a lot of the female, uh, uh, you know, she's 
still the only female character in the film. She's still a love interest to the main character. But at the same time, she really stands on her own two feet. She's got a very well-rounded character. We know, you know, she's she's got interests that are coded very masculine, like because she's a massive mm. petrol head and she loves getting her hands dirty and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I really liked the character of Carol. Really liked yeah. it. She's really good. Yeah. After this uh, drag race, Kirby, Herbie kind of goes apeshit and won't let any of them out of the car and pulls into a diner. So trying to <laughs> set these two up, basically. Um, yeah. And then more hippies are parked next to them, um, which are actually played by the guys who played... Uh, it's, well, it's Dean Jones again. Yeah. And uh, the yeah. guy playing Tennessee, but dressed as hippies. <laughs> I had no idea about this until recently. Yeah. And then... Um, I found the, and I, I honestly, I was astonished because I, <laughs> I always remember this scene where she goes, help, I'm locked in. He goes, well, we all locked in, baby. We're all prisoners. <laughs> Take the Kool-Aid, man. Take the Kool-Aid. But and apparently Dean Jones saw this in the script and he said, I want to play that hippie. And they were like, what? <laughs> like, why? It was like, I just want to have a bit of fun. No one's going to know, right? And they, that, and I, I never had any, any clue. I know, I know it's like one little scene and it, it's just, you know, silly, but yeah, I think that's great. I think the only, <laughs> the only thing that really made it obvious to me was just, Dean Jones's face is just burned into my retinas from having to watch the Million Dollar Duck, where he is the main character in that as well. <laughs> so anytime I see him, I kind of, you know, have to stop myself from punching the screen, kind of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, which kind of goes to show what Disney could do when they had a budget and they had a good script and they had people that were yeah. passionate about the project because the. The gulf between this film and the Million Dollar Duck is just so fast. <laughs> uh, a million miles. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mi- so they're at the diner. Miss Bennett tries to escape. Uh, Carol tries to escape. And the waitress thinks that they're shagging, basically. <laughs> she she's does. Trying, she's trying to climb over um, Jim. And yeah. she. Be- <laughs> the waitress tells her that they should go to, is it Sea View Point? Sea Breeze. Sea Breeze Point, Point, if they want to get on with is. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> This this film's got a lot of sex references for a Disney film. Yeah, it does. I but I, if you find you find that with so many kids' films though now, don't you? When you yeah. look back, you think it's just full of people either shagging or talking about shagging or like thinking about shagging all the way through. But that was the sixties, wasn't it? You know, it was it was so like you've got to hey, put man, something whatever. in for the dads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, they're trying to bring. Uh, Jim wants to bring Miss Bennett home and stuff, but Herbie again drives them to Seabreeze Point, having heard this from the waitress for them to go shagging. Um, and this is <laughs> this is the bit that was a little bit um, not cool, really, because Jim, you know, they have an argument where basically she thinks that he's trying to get his leg over, and he has to say mm. that he's not. Um, but then he kind of intimidates her a bit for laughs by sort of stroking her face as if he is going to try something on. Yeah. And then when she understandably panics, he basically laughs it off and says, don't panic. But Mm. at this point, this is a man she doesn't know who's kidnapped her and locked her in his car to seemingly rape her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you want to be blunt about it. If you do, yeah. Um, Yeah. And it is played for a little bit of a laugh and... It's I could have done without this bit, but 
Yeah, but it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been seen like that though, would it? That's, Absolutely that's the not. Thing. It, it it really wouldn't have been. It would have been Jimmy's a bit of a suave guy. Yeah, you know, Herbie's matchmaking these two. You know, oh, loads of couples go up to places like this and you know make out or you know more than that. Um, and it, and it would have been seen as romantic, probably. I think you know, and that yeah. sort of will they, won't they, hard to get kind of repartee. When when you look yeah. at it now, he's a little bit of a creep, you know. I think. What, so. what stops it going too far is the fact that we've already seen Carol can kind of take care of herself and she yeah. she's already been well written and, you know, she's not just here as a bit of eye candy like most of the other films would have had her. So you, mm. you kind of get the feeling that she could, you know, if he did anything, she could sort him out. She could... She'd sort him out. Yeah, she, you know, elbow to the face or something like that. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, but but I suppose part of the scene as well. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't excuse it because it is a bit skeevy now for, through modern eyes. But part of the scene, I suppose, the point of it is that Herbie is almost trying to prove that he isn't just a car that's fault got a fault or something, you know. Because yeah. all the way through, Carol is like thinking Jim is the one, you know, or in control, and he's doing this, and then this is all about Herbie going. Actually, no, because at one point he stops, doesn't he? he? Opens the door, lets Jim out. Carol drives. She goes right. Okay, we'll sort this out, and then Herbie just takes over again. Yeah. So it's all about just proving. Actually, yeah, you're no better. You know, ultimately, I'm alive. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, but even at this but, point, Jim's you know, kind of still in denial at that. He doesn't have his revelation yeah, yet yeah. until a bit later on. A bit um, later on. The, but then I don't. I, in a way, I don't think he, he. This is one of the interesting things though about the film. In that there's a lot about Jim's arrogance. There are points when he's really quite arrogant, and he's he can be a bit horrible at places as well, even outside of this kind of creepiness. You know what he doesn't. He doesn't. It takes almost losing Herbie for him to realise what he's got. You know, and that's. But it, but it's also the fact that he. I, it, it's never really addressed. There's never that moment though in the film where he goes. He, he talks to Herbie properly, like like Tennessee does. Yeah. I was kind of. I've always now, now. I watched it again. I've always been waiting for that moment, that point where Jim sits down and he says, "Look, buddy. You know, I know you're." And he does more of that in Monte Carlo. By 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 Monte Carlo. He does that a lot more. Right. It's like over the years he started. He's realised, you know. But it's kind of a beat that they missed in this film, which I think is a shame. Yeah, because it's kind of like Jim wants. He wants to be a good racer. He wants people to yeah. acknowledge him as the reason he's winning these races. Um, yeah, there is one bit where he admits that the car was winning, but you're right. He doesn't directly say anything to Herbie or or no. thank him for winning or anything. But yeah. Spoil- spoiler for later in the film they win some races yeah <laughs> I, think, I think everyone yeah. saw that coming um yeah, so yeah maybe. next scene we get a quick scene of the um tennessee and jim tinkering with the car tennessee reckons the car is alive at this point and jim sort of shrugs it off the one uh important note that i made from that scene was that in the background they have an old gas pump that's been uh retrofitted to be a fish tank and i thought that was frigging cool and <laughs> I, I didn't want see one. that that's really yeah good. it's one of the old style um clear sort of cylinders but then the cylinder is just full of fish <laughs> That's cool. I like that. (laughs) Then the next morning, um, Herbie's outside playing with loads of dogs, (laughs) which I loved this little bit. It was so cute. Um, Well, you know what? It's funny you should say that because one of the other deleted scene is at the very end where um, just before Jim and Carol come out um, of the dealership, 
there, there was a, supposed to be a scene. It was never filmed. There was supposed to be a scene where Herbie's playing with children, right? And he's like, he's in like a playground and he's messing around and that. And then they whistle at him, and then he comes down like a child would, like. And then the kids wave him goodbye. Aww. So it seems like this they were planting all the way through to underscore the point again that he's a child. He's playing with dogs on the street. Yeah. He's playing with kids. It really you know? reminded so me of Kelso from that seventies show. If you've ever watched that, because <laughs> um, no, yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he was always playing yeah. with dogs. We are about to fool around, and I said that I washed my hands, but really, I just got done playing with, like, six dogs. <laughs> uh, yeah. But Tennessee basically tells Herbie to behave, because he's got it really good here. Mm. Um, and this is where, where we find out that Tennessee has called Herbie Herbie, after his do, uncle. And Well, do you know the actual story? Why? Why, why, you, why you got the name Herbie in the script? I'm sure you're going to tell me. <laughs> I, I might be. Um, well, as it turns out, it's from Buddy Hackett, who played um, Tennessee. So there's, there's a skit that Buddy Hackett used to do um, about because he obviously Buddy Hackett was a well-known stand-up comedian by this point and beyond. Um, and when he was doing Vegas and stuff, he used to do this skit about uh, a ski instructor named Klaus, who speaks with a German accent um, as he introduces his fellow ski announcers, ski instructors, um, who are named Hans Fritz. Wilhelm and Sandor uh, and at the end of the skit and it's not necessarily a super funny joke in this podcast but <laughs> at this point but he says in a German accent if you ain't got the hoibie I ain't going and that's where Herbie hoibie came from and he told this joke <laughs> to the crew and then and they wrote the name Herbie into the script because obviously all the rest of the films are Herbie rides again. Herbie goes yeah, to Monte yeah. Carlo. This film is the love bug. So originally it wasn't Herbie. Um, so yeah, that's that's why Herbie's called Herbie. And then in the film, it's yeah, it's his uncle's car. But it comes from Buddy Hackett, which I thought was quite nice. Cool. Wow. Uh, mm. I'm so glad you've come on to talk about Herbie because you seem to know a lot about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know bits and bobs. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I probably know too much. <laughs> So yeah, we get a scene next um, where we see uh, Jim buying flowers to give to Mrs. Bennett, and then from here we go to the re- the first race of the film, the Jack Rabbit Springs race, mm. um, and it's a very strange sort of it's a very quick smash cut. Suddenly we're at a racetrack, like yeah. we've not even talked about there being an upcoming race. We're just like bam, here we go straight to it. But I kind of like that. It- it sort of does that a bit, though, doesn't it? It's it it. I realised that as I was watching it. It's quite. It does a lot of like stopping the plot. It's like it, yeah. it slams the brakes on the plot, and suddenly there's a race thrown in for good measure. Yeah, but it kind of yeah. does need it to break up the pace, and it, it works. I think. Well, yeah, no, it, it does. It does. But it, it's a bit. It's a bit clunky. It's yeah. not very. It, it, it's sort of yeah. It sort of stutters its way into things, and then it, it sort of moves around. And oh, okay, let's go back to Tennessee. You know, talking about his Tibetan mysticism. Let's go back to um, <laughs> Jim and Carol. Let's go back to Thorndike. So yeah, it's a bit. And then it ultimately, I think one of the reasons that the final third is probably the strongest part of the film is because it all sort of comes together in that yeah, big final absolutely. Eldorado. You know. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. But until then, you're right. It's sort of all over the place <laughs> really <laughs> we uh we see that um carol and mr banks are both uh watching the race and they've got a proper posh boy picnic haven't they like they've got yeah champagne and a full uh yeah. full deck chairs and everything set up and it's all the lot it looks very i mean this, if i was into racing this is how i would do it to be fair 
And uh, yeah. of course, Herbie wins the race. Jim's feeling pretty mm. good about himself. Um, and at this point, we established that, again, Jim, he hasn't paid off Herbie yet. Um, and Banks is suddenly interested in this car that he's given away. So Banks mm. tries to uh, buy Herbie back. But Bennett instead, Carol suggests a wager instead. So if Jim wins, um, he gets to keep the car for free. And uh, it's all agreed to. And at this point, I was like, great, another fucking wager. Because all of the films yeah. we cover have a wager in them. <laughs> Every single one. It's a Disney thing, isn't it? It's a Disney thing. I was thinking about it, and um, this is a point in Disney's, as a company, they're they're really struggling financially and artistically, and I think it was Mm. preying on their minds a lot, because every film ends with some kind of scheme to win lots of money, and I think that's (laughs) what they were wanting to happen to them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, as it turns out, you know, it's a separate thing, but they really did cash in with this film. Yes. Because <laughs> it, 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 like, wasn't it like the most financially successful film of like 1969 or something like that? I think it like was bigger than things like Midnight Cowboy and Butch Cassidy and all this kind of thing. I can so imagine that, it, yeah. It, it made like 50 million at the box office, which for 1969 is a fucking amazing amount of money yeah so you know they, they <laughs> it worked the wage worked this time around yeah but the, the film's full of weird things like this though like i i still think the whole initial we talked about it earlier but the initial deal that thorndike makes with the police and jim makes with the police it's really complicated yeah like, i i was really like, by the end well, I mean, by halfway through this bloody film, I'd completely lost track of who who owed who money. I was, all, yeah. I'd also lost track of like who who it was benefiting half the time. Because I know, I, if if why would Banks, who wants the car, set a wager where if he if Jim wins, Jim gets to keep the car when what Banks yeah. wants is the car. Is the car right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. At this point, though, um, we find out that um, to be fair, Banks is going to be in the race as well. So I guess he's kind of being yeah. cocky and thinking no one's going to beat me, kind of thing. Yeah, but where did that come from, though? I mean, was there was there a, was there a line at, at the beginning that we find out we find out Thorndike is is a racer? No, because it seems he just like, suddenly, oh, suddenly is behind the wheel of a car. <laughs> suddenly he's also a racer it's like he Which, but he's like a posh british car salesman he's a posh british you know? very old at this point you know yeah. middle-aged race driver yeah. i was very yeah it, it, again it, it's kind of just thrown in your face that he he drives the cars but yeah race yeah. two start first um section we see that herbie is only half a lap behind thorndike until tennessee holds up a sign that just says now which herbie apparently now, reads herbie! and so <laughs> that was a really now, good impression <laughs> so herbie basically uh pegs it to the finish line um and wins and jizzes oil again all over banksy <laughs> then then for good measure pisses all over his foot as well <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a there's a lot of like piss gags in this, definitely. Yeah. It's quite funny. And then we get um a montage of some more races. So Jim's doing really well and we we see him win a race and just gets to snog a lady. Which <laughs> which again very of its yeah. time. We had this in the computer yeah. war tennis shoes. Um yeah. if you win something you get a snog, which is <laughs> and it's like a proper snog. Crazy, yeah. Can't get away with that these Pavlov days. Pavlov snog, yeah. yeah. You win, you get a you get a prize, a lady. 
<laughs> and, and it's also in this completely forgetting this, this supposed romance with Carol. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. You know, he's, he's not that bothered, is he? <laughs> it was the same in uh, the computer war tennis shoes where. Uh, Dexter Riley kind of has a girlfriend, kind of doesn't, but then still snogs yeah. over whenever he can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so then we go to the Tijuana Road Race, which instantly starts with a pileup. <laughs> they they yeah. they try their best to uh, make this stand out as being in Mexico rather than in in America. Nah. So we get as many sort of stereotypes <laughs> into a single single <laughs> shot as possible. Lots of people in big hats yeah. and <laughs> mud huts, and yeah. they, you know, inside instead of a starting flag, of course, it's a pistol. It's a kind pistol, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the soundtrack they goes drive... a bit Mexican as well, I think, doesn't it? The score, yeah, it does. There's yeah. a, instead of racing against other cars, he's racing against like motorbikes and school buses. <laughs> yeah, the school they... bus. What the fuck was that about? The they, they drive bus. through an exploding cactus as well. <laughs> like it's, I. I... I quite enjoyed how good bad this race was. To be fair, yeah. And again, when uh, when Jim wins, he gets to snog a Mexican he lady a this Mexican time. Lady. Did you see as well how the, the the last bit of that whole race is obviously like uh, um, they've had to do miniatures because they just they go. There's a big smoke cloud and they go behind what looks like a. They completely disappear behind what is clearly a little bit of mud that the camera is put, panning across because they couldn't afford to film all the cars. It's If you watch it, it's hilarious. It is so obviously... I have not picked up on that, but I might have to rewatch. It is definitely <laughs> miniatures, It's and it's so bad. <laughs> it's so badly cool. done. <laughs> and then we go back to the dealership. Banks is pissed because he's not winning. Yeah. Um, and he thinks that Jim has fixed his, car, his own car, fixed Herbie in some way or other. Um, and he tasks Carol with going undercover to get to know what he's up to. And at this point, it was kind of like, but we already know that she fancies Jim, so this isn't going to yeah. work out. I felt like this would have worked better if we left all the romance at the earlier parts of the film, mm. maybe pushed them further back, because I knew at that point she was not going to... No. You know, she's not going to play ball for, for her boss. Yeah. Um, and it, it, in fact... As he's saying this to her, she's on the phone with Jim sorting out a date for that night. And she even says to the boss, she's like, I've just agreed to go out with him anyway. Yeah, and, yeah. But yeah. anyway. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, I know. I thought that. It's a bit like, well, so what? what is the point of this? Like, is he he's trying to make... It felt like Thorndike was trying to make... He was trying to get her to do what she wanted, even though she's doing what she wants anyway. And he's just going, oh, yeah, well, you're going to go and spy for me anyway. You know, he's sort of taking it for granted, I guess. But... Yeah, I think it's... it was kind of supposed to be that he's not really listening to her as well. Yeah, but yeah. It was a very confused little interaction, to be honest. Yeah, I didn't quite get. I couldn't tell what either party's intentions were in this conversation. Mm, no, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> or what the film's intention was either. So, but anyway, Carol. Um, yeah, she rocks up at Jim's house in the car that he fancied from the dealership earlier. The the very sporty yellow and black number. Mm. Um, and then Mr. Banks turns up while Jim and Carol are out. And basically he is, you know, checking out Herbie to see what's going on there. And Tennessee asks him if he wants an Irish coffee. Um, for those that don't know, that's a coffee <laughs> laced with whiskey. Um, and so basically... That is, um, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. So as Tennessee's getting more and more pissed, um, uh Mr. Banks is just pouring the Irish coffee into Herbie's, what yeah. I thought was Herbie's radiator, but I think it's supposed to be his petrol tank. I'm mm. not quite sure. 
We also see a little bit of the date where Carol's letting Jim drive this sporty number. Mm. Um, and <laughs> the note that I wrote at this point was, um, I was trying to make a joke by saying, do you think they're off dogging down Seabreeze Point again? And then they go <laughs> dogging down Seabreeze Point again straight after. So I was like, yeah, good. Loved it. <laughs> yeah, that's a deleted scene that didn't make it into the film. <laughs> <laughs> Not into this film. Anyway. Not into this film. <laughs> well, you know, when when Thorndike's with Tennessee, though, does is is Tennessee doing what he's do, doing all the way through and, and sort of espousing his philosophy though to Thorndike? Because I, yeah. I, that's something that's something I, I never picked up on when I was a kid. At the, the beginning, especially, he's talking about how machines are becoming more self aware, and I, and I didn't really realise yeah. this. And I was I was listening to it this time. I was thinking, well, he's, he's essentially trying to say that maybe he, he, this could, in fact, be the explanation for Herbie. He's sort of suggesting that the more we, we rely on machines, the more they're going to become conscious, the more they're going to be taking up. It's quite prof- prophetic in a way, you know. Yeah, and it, in, it, in the in the terms of 1968, it sounds like bullshit. Yeah, but, no, it does. Like, exactly, when, you, when you're talking about just a, a Volkswagen car, which has yeah. zero technology in it at all, <laughs> but yeah, when you look back, like it's now it just does feel a bit spooky that they were saying all these things about technology because it's kind of coming true at the moment. It, it kind of is. And it's it's weird, though, because he's blending it with this Tibetan mysticism as well, in that he went up on a mountain and he had this sort of idea and he's he's supposed to be this spiritual being who's come back down and then he immediately sort of realises that Herbie is alive. You know, he sees it straight away and he knows and it's like, it's almost like they're trying to blend technology and magic together and and. It's very strange when I when I listen back to what he's saying. It's really weird. <laughs> is is you know? the love bug the precursor to Black Mirror? <laughs> <laughs> oh, now there, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Charlie Brooker confirmed that. Actually, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. I, I'll get that to be um, Chris's next Twitter film. Uh, he'll, re recutting Herbie clips to make it look like an episode of Black Mirror. I think that's genius. <laughs> yeah, get him on that. That's brilliant. Yeah. I I quite liked the handling of Tennessee's kind of um mysticism and sort of new age character cuz although we've had we've taken the piss out of some hippies like I don't think we really like it's quite handled quite tastefully when Tennessee's talking about all of his yeah, mysticisms I think. In comparison, anyway, no, no, to the no. He, well, he is because I think he sort of fits that sort of template, that archetypal template as a character of like the wise. He's the wise. Well, he, in some in some sort of stories, he'd be a mentor kind of figure, but he's he's almost yeah. like a wise. He, he's almost like a Mister Miyagi in a way. He's that sort of strange sort <laughs> yeah. of wise, without being a mentor as such. But he's he's more of a spiritual mentor. He is he's in some senses the. The stooge and the you know the um uh, the, the the handyman for Jim's hero. If you want to look at it from sort of archetypal sort of ideas, but he's also like the mentor. He's sort of blended into the two. He's the wise man. He comes down and imparts the wisdom, and he's clued into what's really going on. He understands that Herbie's mm. alive. Carol starts to get it when she starts to talk to Tennessee. She starts to see it as well before Jim and Jim he's the classic reluctant hero he doesn't want to believe what he's staring him in the face and that's that that but, bit's good yeah. you know because it sort of it shows the kind of roles these characters are in um and that's really interesting but although although Jim doesn't necessarily agree with it he doesn't outright just be like shut up Tennessee you're talking bollocks or anything like no, that he no. kind of he at least humors him which is kind of cute i think but he still thinks he's a bit loopy 
You know, he still oh, yeah, sort of he says, does. "Come on, Tennessee." He's a crackpot. You know, this guy. He's, he's he's fond of him, and he doesn't. But the I I, I agree with you. He doesn't. He never laughs at Tennessee's wis, You know, Tibetan wisdom. He never laughs at the New Age stuff. And I suppose that's because it's it was very in vogue at the time. You know, the, the yeah, New Age true. ideas yeah. were circulating, whereas the hippies, I think, were. You know, the free love and, you know, not make war. I think that there was a bit of scumminess seen with them. But the New Age ideas were, I think, were a bit more, you know. Yeah, we were kind of coming to the end of hippies by sort of 68, yeah, 69. exactly. So. But yeah, then we go to our next race. Uh, Herbie's in the lead to begin with, um, but then starts sort of bouncing about um, and Banks <laughs> manages to pass him uh, because Herbie is completely drunk on these Irish yep. coffees and manages to crash. <laughs> uh, which again, like... Another thing that you don't see in Disney films anymore is people getting drunk. Yeah. But um, we've seen them in quite a few. You uh, certainly don't see cars that are alive getting smashed and then, no. <laughs> and then <laughs> crashing and looking like they've been out of like a two-day bender. Yeah. <laughs> so we get home and Tennessee and Carol are fixing Herbie up. And Tennessee's like, oh, yeah, I, I know what it's like with a, um Irish coffee hangover, Herbie. I, I sympathize with you. <laughs> Uh, and Jim, yeah. Jim goes out and buys a new car because um, Herbie oh. fucked it, Boo, which is pretty Jim. pretty rude. <laughs> so you see, when it, this is the thing with Jim, he wants to be considered the, a really good driver, and that he, when he wins, it's on him. But as soon as anything goes wrong, it's Herbie's fault. It's Herbie's fault. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> definitely yeah. not him. And, and that's it. This is where I was mentioned. His arrogance comes through because he he believes he's, he still believes it's him doing all this, and he doesn't know that. He yeah. Doesn't, you know, even if he's suspicious and he knows something's not right about Herbie, he still wants to believe it's him. And that's, I, I like, you know, it, it, it sort of paints him a little bit as a bad guy for a little a, a little bit of this scene. And then he very quickly redeems himself because he, he cares yeah. about Herbie and he goes off, you know, looking for him. But yeah, I like that. At least it does that. It goes down this road. It could have It could have been a lot more simplistic, but it does try at least to, you know, have the classic moment where, it all seems, even though it's ridiculous by the time Herbie's trying to throw himself off the fucking bridge. But, you know, it at least tries to do this stuff. Yeah. Then Mr. Banks, um, he rings up and he says that he'll still pay for Herbie, you know, to help Jim pay off the new car he's just bought. And yeah. Jim basically says, okay, because he's pissed with Herbie. And then Jim thinks that yeah. Carl's in cahoots with uh, Banksy. Um, so they fall out. But then Carol reveals that she's actually quit her job. And to come and help out. Um, whilst they're having this argument, mm. turns out Herbie was outside beating up the Lamborghini. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not damaging himself at all. No, like... he, he's made of adamantium, <laughs> but everyone else is uh, made of tinfoil. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that car looks like it is made of tinfoil. It looks like he's been through a crusher. It's just yeah. a ball in the corner. Um, <laughs> and this is where Jim finally admits out loud that it was Herbie that was winning. Um then yeah. Banksy rocks up, Herbie runs away whilst they're having an argument. And it's got a really kind of serious and emotional tone, this kind of yeah, sequence. It does. Um, considering it's about a, a car that thinks it's a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. It's really sad. I always remember when I was a kid, think, really, it's really upset me, this whole sequence. I was really like, oh, Herbie. Yeah. Oh. You know, I was, I, it, and then, because the way they shoot it as well, they use the matte um, paintings they use when Jimmy's running through this very sort of wet, damp sort of San Francisco. Very night. foggy, sort of yeah. Very foggy. It paints this picture of a really sort of dark, 
you know, it reminded me of London in Mary Poppins, actually. Yeah, because um, um, they do a lot of the two kids and Mr. Banks as well does a lot of walking yeah. around dark yeah, yeah, yeah. at night. There's, you know it's what? very similar. One thing from this era that I cannot get enough of is the matte painting work. It's yeah. just everything we've seen has just been phenomenal. And this bit just this whole sequence looks great. And it's It does, doesn't it? It's yeah. so of its time and you don't see this kind of shit anymore. Yeah. It's um, a shame. And then uh, Banksy's cronies basically find Herbie before they do and uh, tow, tow him back to their um, garage um, where the, where uh, Mr. Banks says, pull it apart. Which rip, rip. I love that, where Tom, David Tomlinson's like, rip him apart. Yeah. He's so evil. He's so evil. He's brilliant. <laughs> and Herbie's just like, well, fuck this, and just drives straight <laughs> through the dealership, just smashes through the wall. <laughs> just, I'm off. <laughs> Get him, you fools! You think the all, first thing they would do was take his tyres off or something? Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. Because I just don't understand why Herbie didn't bolt straight away. Since they, <laughs> yeah. since they unhooked him, why did he wait? You know? Mm. It's, it's so funny. Well, yeah. to be fair, he was trying to escape Jim. Maybe he thought he was better off in the dealership until oh, <laughs> until Tomlinson's just like, fuck him <laughs> up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So then Jim spots Herbie. There's a parade going on through the Chinese district um, and Herbie is hiding it inside the Chinese dragon. Still manages to How get away. How does he get in there? No, I wondered that. Like, <laughs> did, he, did he ask them nicely if they could just uh, yeah. lift it up for him? How does he get in there and nobody notices? <laughs> and then he's, Brilliant. Herbie smashes through a storefront as well. Um, and there are people in the store. He does that noise. Yeah. As well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very weird noise, isn't it, that Herbie makes? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit unsettling. It's kind of, it's clearly a car horn, but a car horn, it's like he's been strangled. Like, Yeah, it's really strange. Yeah. Um, but the the store owners call the police, which is important later on. And then... Um, can, can I also point out at that point that, I, I, were, you, was, were you thinking that that was... Very, very, very stereotypical Chinese. That moment, like when that, it was <laughs> calls the police. I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, it starts off quite tasteful. They speak. It's actual Chinese. Well, it's actual Asian people <laughs> speaking Chinese yeah. to each other. Then, as soon as he picks up the phone, he's like, "Get me the police!" Wow. <laughs> really police station. Hello. And I was it's just like, like yeah. all that goodwill you've just had. <laughs> I was like, oh dear. I mean, it, yeah. as I say, it's nowhere near as bad as um, one of our dinosaurs is missing, though. No. You've got no. a long way to go before it's that bad. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, Jim sees Herbie driving towards the Golden Gate Bridge. And um, at this point, I was like, <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't, would this they? Like, they, they, they wouldn't. Like... No, they can't. They would. They definitely wouldn't do this. <laughs> But no, Herbie goes to try and, and commit do. suicide. <laughs> Honestly, this this is the bit where they absolutely they don't just jump the shark; <laughs> they jetpack over the bloody thing. I mean, th- this this is truly bonkers. <laughs> and Jim's you know? like trying to pull Herbie off, and I was just like, <laughs> "What the hell is going on? <laughs> what is going on here?" I mean that that is taking the metaphor and the you know way too far. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, but luckily, it's really strange. Jim manages to stop him from killing himself. Hooray! That's good. <laughs> um, well done. But they do. The police do arrive um, and take them off to the police station, where the mm. Chinese store owners identify Herbie from his horn beeping sound. So Herbie gets. <laughs> <laughs> so Herbie gets impounded. <laughs> <laughs> then um, Tennessee speaks Chinese to the shopkeeper to explain <laughs> the situation, and I think I this was real Chinese. Buddy... I I hope it well, was. Well, this is it. I did wonder if Buddy Hackett was just riffing it and going "Fing Yong Lao Pong Yang Da." Is, is this real? Is, is this really Chinese, or is Buddy Hackett just saying "fuck knows what"? I really like, don't know, but I, it it sounded believable. Like maybe I don't know. I hope so. I hope, I hope so. it was. <laughs> um, and the owner, basically, of the store, he says he wants to keep Herbie. So, yeah. Mr. Wu. we get yet another wager, which is that Jim can oh, drive God. Herbie in the race, but if he wins, Mr. Wu gets Herbie back. No, Jim gets Herbie back, no, but he... Wu gets to keep the prize money. And he sells Herbie to Jim for a dollar. Yes. <sighs> really complicated. Like really, co- just, just, just say right. If if you win, I keep Herbie. You you get the winnings. Simple. It's so confusing like, at this point. If, if I win, it's like, why? Why? The- yeah. Yeah. So we're finally at the final race of the film, the El Dorado race, and da-da, so we're basically in the, the final third of the film. And yeah, I'll admit the film was kind of losing me a little bit by this point so i was yeah. glad to get to the final race because that's you know in, in a in a race film you know this is when it's gonna kick off and it does they make a big point at the beginning the announcer of saying that um this is a no rules race as long as you complete the circuit you can do whatever the hell you want whilst you're on it and i was like did, yes did you th- yeah, did you think that guy was really weird though the guy the guy who says yeah that, i right? w- it's like he's it- it's like he's talking from an auto queue. It's really strange. I wondered if he was actually a well-known race official, or Maybe. because he cannot act at all. Like, no, he's, he's terrible. He's kind of looking he's at really his shoes bad. as he's talking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's scared of the camera. So, so I, I honestly thought yeah. he was some kind of racing figure that he might be. that people that were into that kind of shit back then would have known. Yeah. Um, Maybe. That would explain a lot. And then uh, Mr. Banks and uh, Mr. Wu arrange yet another wager amongst themselves. <laughs> um, I haven't even Off written the, what the wager was because I completely don't care. Um, Isn't it that if her... No, I can't remember either. <laughs> I, just... <laughs> I can't remember either, to be honest. Um, and then... We see that Tennessee and Carol are going to be the uh, pit crew, essentially, but um, yeah. driving with the car. Um, Banks has got the Dean from uh, Medfield College as his crew member. Have a shot! Yep, have a shot. Um, and we get all sorts of hijinks. I won't. I don't want to talk too much about the race in general, just because if you haven't seen this film, I spoiler. I think you should. <laughs> Cause, it's a bit mad. Yeah, it's a, it is a bit mad. I mean, what, one one of the things uh, you're right when you say that it sort of all worked because it is a race. And I think one of the reasons I think I re- uh, Monte Carlo is my favourite of the of all of them is because it is a lot more based around the racing. Right. There are a lot more points in Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo. Have you seen Herbie Monte Carlo? Uh, that's Monte Carlo? what I haven't seen. So, 
Okay. Well, you, you hopefully I'm being presumptive, but I'm hoping that we'll do all the Herbie films on this podcast. Oh, if you we'll get to if you want day. to come back, you're more than welcome. I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to do all of them because it's been a long time since I've watched them all. Like, like, but I've seen Monte Carlo loads of times, and the thing with it is, it's sort of it's all about the fact that Jim and um, another character who's in it, who's he's like he's 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 ten. It's not Tennessee, but he's, he's like Tennessee. They are in their own France for the Monte Carlo um, circuit for the race, and it is all about that essentially. And the and the the final race, it's similar to this, and it's really good, you know. And and it builds up all the way through. It's a lot more about the racing, and that's for me when Herbie's at, it, at its strongest. That's why yeah. Herbie rides again isn't as gr- isn't as good because there's not really any racing in it at all, and then. Herbie Goes Bananas has a bit of it, but again, it sort of veers off into this weird camp um, cruise ship n- nonsense. I'll say that at least for the Lindsay Lohan film, it gets back to being about the racing. Good. You know, yeah. so, you know, it's, that's why this is good because it, 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 this last third is just like them on the road, even if it's got things like Thorndike being like attacked by a bear. <laughs> 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 shit like that it's pretty it's, strange it's, it's a it. bit like an episode of wacky races from here on out isn't yeah it, like, it is so it's yeah. so silly and over the top um yeah <laughs> yeah there is a bear at one point banksy's reaction shot to the <laughs> noticing the bear is one of my favorite shots in cinema history like <laughs> Tomlinson's, <laughs> Tomlinson's reaction is just like i don't oh, i can't even explain it it was just brilliant <laughs> Well, he just he just he just basically faints, doesn't he? He sort of goes ah, and then he just faints as he's driving, and the car somehow doesn't crash. It's somehow and there and there's some amazing thing. It, do, it sort of veers. It's in a forest. It somehow doesn't crash into a tree, and then it manages to fell a tree. Yeah, it's like some of it is so mad, so so mad. I think. Like, it, it it's so much funnier when it's coming from a character that spent his entire not even just in this film but his entire film career being a prim and proper Englishman to then yes. just completely yeah. lose his shit over the fact that there's a bear <laughs> in his car is just it's just genius it's just brilliant it is really good uh, it is funny. yeah loved it um, so yeah we'll keep we'll keep the notes on the uh, on the on the actual race pretty brief but would you believe it they win the race yay <laughs> and they win it they come first and third place yes as the the guy says and it, it's interesting how they did that you know actually because they obviously by the end herbie's in two pieces yes. and, and he ends up right but they uh if you look carefully they- <clears throat> you can see the wheel the third wheel underneath both of those pieces of the car because they were they were they rigged these these two parts of Herbie up to be independently being controlled. Yeah, because you actually do so, see them, especially right at the end. They are actually drivable, both halves, aren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah they are. Yeah, this is it. And that you can see that th- there are certain shots where you can see the third wheel as well. And there's this earlier. There's one shot when Herbie is first following Jim back from the <clears> dealership. <throat> that if you really look hard, you can see a driver of the car. With it really low in the car, <laughs> right? You can see the top of his head. So there's little moments where, but they mostly get away with it. But yeah, um, you know how you see all these people um, who have uh, Volkswagen Beetles these days, or yeah, we call them Beetle over here, don't we? It's bug in America. Um, you yeah. see them everywhere, and people always paint them up to look like Herbie, and that's you know that's um, 
That's the easy option. I want to see someone who uh, cuts their car in half and makes it still drivable. <laughs> that's when you see the. That's the true Herbie fan there. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Imagine how much you'd. I mean, I live on a road where we haven't got a drive, so it's all parallel parking, and you have to, you know, hopefully get a space. Imagine how much I'd piss my neighbours off if I had to take two spaces. Buy a smart car, like, you know. Then just yeah. buy the. <laughs> the um chassis of a beetle and just chuck it over the top tell you what that's a great <laughs> idea. sold i'm doing it i've uh, to be fair i have always wanted a volkswagen beetle of uh, my own herbie i have always wanted one like even if it wasn't painted with the 53 and everything i've just always I, but but there there are they're hard to find the original ones yeah, d- not like the the Lindsay lohan one is the more modern yeah. herbie as well the more modern yeah. version whereas the old ones are Really rare. The noughties yeah. one just kind of looks really, I don't know, it's a bit yeah. tacky now. It hasn't yeah, aged anywhere near as well as the original. But yeah, yeah. yeah. It, if you buy an original, it's, you know, it's going to fall apart like Kirby actually does. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and then again, yeah. um, like the rest of this film, um, <clears throat> we get a smash cut from them winning the race um, to pretty much um, coming going off on their honeymoon. Yeah, what? <laughs> I was like, where was the marriage? Where was the... Uh, they didn't even kiss. This happens a lot in these no. Disney films as well. We've noticed that um, people don't... You know, you'll snog the girl that when you win a race, but you don't actually kiss your girlfriend, which is interesting. Yeah, very chaste, isn't yeah. it? It's very chaste. Because um, um, the cat from Outer Space, that ended with um, a courtroom scene rather than a hooking up scene. Um, we, the, yeah. the main characters never officially sort of fell in love. And it happens a lot on this show. Really weird. Yeah. Strange, isn't it? And, and I sp- I sp- the, the best thing about this ending, really, it's, I mean, it, it's, as you'll see in um, Monte Carlo, Jim completely forgets he's got a wife. By then. <laughs> so, you know, this, this, this is, she's never seen again. She's never referred to again, right? It, but, so this marriage doesn't last. But, um, the best thing for me about this whole scene was the final sequence where you see Thorndike and Havishaw. Yes. And they're, they're now... The, I think that was the deal, wasn't it? That he, if, if he loses, Mr. Wu wins his dealership, yes. basically. So he's now just um, a lucky that works for Mr. Wu. Yeah. <laughs> and then basically it's just him and Havishaw spraying... Um, you know, oil on each other. And you can tell by the end of the scene, Tomlinson totally just cracks up laughing. Yeah. That's the best <laughs> yeah, thing about they, it. Yeah, because they... Havishaw sprays like the oil sprayer directly into his trousers, and he's just like, (laughs) "Yeah, it's for for about the tenth time he gets sprayed with oil or something all the way through this film." But it's the best one because it is that kind of thing. He just is laughing at the end. I love that. I love that. There's a bit in um, Um, Bedknobs and Broomsticks where he's juggling and around the dinner table, and then he's like. His, uh, one of his juggling balls falls in like the gravy boat and he gets gravy splashed all over his face. And it, I, th- I think this is just like, it's that brilliant juxtaposition of prim and proper posh boy getting messy. Yeah. And I love it. It always works. It always, yeah, it's great. It's, it's a good trope. I like it. And, and it helps that he, his comic timing is impeccable, that man. Yep. You know, he, he never misses a beat. No. He's, he's always, always on form. With, he was brilliant, he was. So, yeah. he re- Even though I do really like Dean Jones and Michelle Lee and Buddy Hackett, I think all the cast are really good in this. But I think this film, it works because Tomlinson, he's such, he's such a good bastard of a yes, villain in this. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons it really works so well as a film. Yeah. And anyway, 
that's that is the end of the love bug so this is the point where we give our final thoughts on the film and then after that we will rack up some gems some hidden gems so guest can go first for this one um so just give us your final thoughts on this a little wrap-up of uh this film love it Love it, love it, love it. I, I, I genuinely think it's it's a really good um, Disney movie. I think it it is a bit it is a bit piecemeal. It is a bit clunky in places, uh, but it it all it does work because it, it like I say it's got a really good cast. The script is okay. It's not too bad. Herbie immediately is such a lovable character, and he's he, he is he's he works straight away as a character, and he, he leaps off the screen in such a good way um, that, and you know, it, it built, it manages to build to a final act, which pays off all of the sort of awkward, slight disparate threads all the way through the film. And it is very of its time. It is very 60, late sixties. There are some really cheesy moments in it when you look back on it now. And like you say, a couple of them are a little bit skeevy and, a little, mm, but the sexual politics isn't, you know, always there, but so many of these films are like that now. But I think there is so much warmth in this and so much goodwill. You know, I think, I, I like I say, it's not my favourite, but it's the best one. There is there is no <laughs> doubt in my mind the love bug is the best. It, it's all downhill from here, Tim. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> what about you? Okay. So, it's, it's a weird one because it has all of the trappings of these... This era of Disney that I don't like, it has all of the shortcomings, um, especially when it's essentially the same cast that we've seen a thousand times already at this point in our podcast. But everything about this film is just heightened uh, from, as you say, even just that extra added by having such a good villain in Tomlinson. We've we've said before that a lot of these films barely even have a villain. Um, yeah. But having a good villain really helps. The the Herbie effects are all so much better than any of the effects that we've seen on the podcast so far. It's just, yeah, the, the female um, representation, although still very of its time, is moving in the right direction. Mm. The sound is good. The oh, I just I just loved this film. It was really enjoyable. Oh, um, as I said earlier. <clears throat> It was losing me a little bit by the end of the second half, uh, the second act. Sorry, um, it. But just as it's about to sort of outstay its welcome, we get into the last half hour, which is the the race where everything picks up again. Um, we've laid all the groundwork for just let's have a good time by the end, and we really do have a good time. Which is why I've mm. not wanted to talk too much about the race because I think if you haven't watched it. I would absolutely say that you should. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I'm very yeah. glad I've enjoyed it because I've just paid nine quid for it on Amazon. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because the I'm pretty sure it was on the Disney Life app, but the Disney Life app didn't like me yesterday and just wouldn't let me in. That's um, rubbish. That's I did, rubbish. I did wonder if it was because Disney Plus is round the corner that they've just shut mm, it down. But um, could no, be. it just doesn't like me. So I'll have to try again <laughs> tomorrow. Um, well, I'm glad you enjoyed yeah. it. That's good. So, um our absent friend Christopher will now give his opinions on the film from the future. Yeah, it was good, that. Thanks, Chris. Sure uh, I'm sure he agreed with us. I don't know. He might have done. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he liked it. Well, actually, he's... He better have done. 
Or I was, I'll, I'll be having words. To be words. fair, he sent me um, a picture of the notes that he made as if I was ever going to read them before we started recording. But uh, <laughs> So, out of 10 gems, how <clears throat> many gems would you give the love bug? Um, and just to let you know, you can use decimal places in your gem count. Just to wind Chris up. <laughs> oh, you just wind him up, yeah. Um, <laughs> in which case, I think I'll go for an 8.5. 8.5. I think. Good. Good strong score. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's a good one. I mean, it, it's not it's not a masterpiece of cinema. And I think there are probably better Disney movies. If I'm looking at it critically, there are probably better live-action Disney movies out there. But I'd say The Love Book's got to be up there as well. Yeah, the I'd say really. so. Especially so, considering for, for yeah. the era as well. Um, I think you're probably right. Yeah. So I'm going to give it... Because Chris is not here, I'm going to really wind him up by giving it a whole eight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, make the most of it. So, yeah, Yeah. I'm clearly not as big a mega fan as you. I don't know the ins and outs of every part of the production like some people. But yeah, it's it's great. It's 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 definitely a strong eight. Um, Looking at Chris's notes, um, I can see that. To be facetious, he has actually scored this film a 7.891. <laughs> well, he can never moan to you again, ever, about the use I of decimals. Know. So, okay, that's, you know, he's never so allowed. So I will quickly work out what that score works out for our leaderboard, because with <laughs> guests, what we do is we divide by three and then times by two. Okay. So that it's... You know, because it's not fair if the films have an extra person scoring them. So, so that works out no, sure. out of twenty as sixteen point two six. So, okay, so all right, we'll yeah. Just plug that into our leaderboard and see what we're looking like. That's got to be fairly oh, yeah, high definitely. up, I'd say. You know, I'd, I'd say so. While while you're quickly doing that, let me let me add one okay. last bit of trivia. And the the alternate titles considered for the Love Bug, okay, before they settled on the Love Bug. I'm ready. So you ready for this? So we had Carboy Girl, which was the original um, script name, and they even got to the point where they 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 did the fonts for all of these titles. They actually did them properly, like they were going to be released. So you had Carboy Girl, the Magic Volksy, <laughs> as in right? Because has anyone ever called a Volkswagen? I will a do from now on. Every time <laughs> I have, a, I have a Volkswagen Polo, so I, I think it's go. going to be called Volksy Call from Volksy. now on. <laughs> <laughs> there was the Runaway Wagon, spelt W A G E N, which I don't really understand. So maybe that's a typo. Um, Beetle Bomb, <laughs> Wonder Beetle. They loved getting the Beetle things in. Um, bug boom. Fuck knows what that's about. <laughs> bug. I can't understand the bug bit. Where's the boom come from? <laughs> and and the one that um, Dean Jones hated, like hated with a passion, um, was Thunderbug. <laughs> he really, really didn't like that. He he thought that meant that he was an angry right. car, and he he loved the fact that Herbie was really yeah. nice and friendly and hopeful and things like that. Um, so I I mean the love bug is cheesy as hell. Um, I kind of wish they'd gone for the magic boxy. <laughs> to be honest, I think that's the best one. That's what all the go. hardcore fans call it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sixteen point two six. That puts um, the Love Bug above Condor Man, which had fifteen point five, and slightly cool. below the Island at the End of the World, which got eighteen. 
Oh, cool. Okay, I need to. I need to check. check I would. I would highly recommend it. it no. Well, obviously, because I've scored it very well. <laughs> but yes, the love bug is <laughs> yeah. very close to the top of the leaderboard. Um, this is actually our nineteenth episode that we've recorded, and um, every twin, every ten episodes, we're going to do a rundown of the uh, top five and the bottom five. And currently, oh, well, cool. Okay, yeah, so Herbie will definitely be in the top five when we finish. Herbie rides again. That won't be in the top five. <laughs> trust me. I'm well, as you. I say, that's one of the two that I remember. So. Well, maybe I'll have rose tinted spectacles for this one. <laughs> mm, we'll see. <laughs> so, thank you so much for coming and joining us for the Love Bug. Well, I say joining us, joining me, Tony. And Will again, you? thanks a million, billion, trillion for everything you do on uh, the network. We made this. Um, oh, is there geez. anything you'd like to plug? Where can people find you on the internet? Well, firstly, thanks, Tim, uh, for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. Um, I've really been looking forward to this. And, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be back to talk more, Herbie. So I really appreciate it. And, you know, just to say, Without Mouse is great. I, I'm really glad it's doing so well. And you guys seem to be having loads of fun with it. So, you know, <laughs> long may it continue. There's certainly plenty of, you know, live-action Disneys for you to keep you busy for years. So, oh, that's it. Yeah, um, we're going to be doing this for <laughs> until we're dead, basically. <laughs> um, no, awesome. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, obviously, uh, we're part of We Made This, the podcast network. So if you want to find out uh, more about what we're doing, if you just um, type in We Made This uh, Spreaker, then you'll see all of the different shows, or you can find us on Twitter at We Made This. We are in the process of trying. I am trying to get a website off the ground. It's just taking time and everything. Eventually, we'll have WeMadeThis.com, but that, that's to come eventually. Um, but we will get there. Um, and if you want to find me, uh, I'm I've, like we said at the top of the podcast, I've got my fingers in all kinds of pies Um not just podcasts, but writing and blogs and books and all kinds of things. Um, so you can find me at AJ Black Writer on Twitter and I'm on Facebook as well. If you type in AJ Black, you'll find my page and, uh, you know, add me as a friend. You know, if I, if I don't think you're a creepy weirdo, um, if I don't think you're Jim <laughs> Douglas circa Seabreeze Point, then we'll get on fine. Um, <laughs> cool. And I am. I can never remember my Twitter. My uh, personal Twitter <laughs> is at TimblesRH, and the Twitter for our podcast is at Podwam. We're also on Instagram, but it's mostly pictures of my cat, and that's at Without a Mouse. <laughs> and you can email us at withoutamouse at gmail.com. So thanks again, Tony, for joining us, and that's that's it for another Pleasure. week. Tatty bye. <laughs> 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 Sorry, let's finish with that. <laughs>